Hello and welcome to episode 127 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today we are recording on April 16th, 2019. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com. I am also 50% of this show. Joining me, as always, is my partner in crime, Brad Galloway. He is the editor of Game Critics. How are you, Brad? I am busy. I am so busy this week, Corey. <laughs> I am so busy. I know I've mentioned many times on the show that I'm now, uh, like, I don't know, semi-retired, stay-at-home, homeschooling dad. <laughs> retired. I, I mean, I got to be honest with you, bro. Like, I am busier than I have ever been in my life. I think just having my regular job was a lot less work, and I had more free time. Now that I am the stay-at-home dad, it is wall-to-wall fucking shit going down. So I, I mentioned this because today, uh, dear listeners, is going to be a, another short, somewhat unconventional show. Uh, I was telling Corey that I just don't have time to record today. This is like the only window I have. So I think we're probably going to forego the banter at the end. We may have a little banter worked in. Um, but we're going to just kind of barrel through. We wanted, I mean, I never want to skip an episode, but I, we just don't have the time for our usual four-hour luxurious uh, episode that we usually have so uh i'm I'm just gonna be all about the games in and out Corey, is that okay with you today yeah i think you and i have both come to the consensus and hopefully people who listen to the show agree that a short show is better than no show and even when we say a short show it's usually at least an hour to an hour and a half long so i mean that's still pretty good length for a show so um we'll get out as much as we can today and then uh next week fingers crossed we'll be back for a Regular, I don't even know what regular length means anymore, but a regular length show. Yeah, you know, I think that when we were in our in our sweet spot, it felt to me like 45 minutes or an hour of banter was like really good. And then we would have like an hour of game. And then I think like a two hour show, even though we didn't really start out with that intention, I feel like that was kind of where we hit like kind of a good, good plateau for a while. And that was pretty comfortable. But man, life is so busy for me, like in the last couple of weeks, especially. And I don't know what it's like for you, man, but like, oh. Finding even just like an hour here and there is just really challenging right now. But I, I definitely don't want to skip a show. Still 100% committed to you, committed to the show, committed to the fans. So we got to get something down. We can't do nothing. Yes, I agree. But because we're so short on time, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the games chat and just get to it. What do you think? Amen, brother. Amen. All right. Well, you, uh, I will let you take the floor since I'm hosting uh, and start us off this week. What do you want to bring to the show first? Um, first up, I want to talk about a game called Heaven's Vault. It just released today, literally today, on <laughs> PS4 and the other platforms, I believe. Um, full disclosure, I was sent a code uh, for evaluation on the podcast. We also got a code for full text review. I'm not doing the review. Uh, I honestly can't remember who it is. It's one of the good Game Critics folks covering that in text form. But I have just played it for impressions and for podcast purposes. Heaven's Vault comes from Inkle Studios. Um, they put out 80 Days, which was, I believe, on iPhone. If I'm not mistaken, that one caused a pretty big splash. Like, a lot of people really liked 80 Days, uh, which, as you might imagine, was about two guys traveling the world. And I believe it was kind of like a text adventure, choose an adventure sort of a thing. Um, I have not played it, I don't think. I mean, maybe I did. I'm not sure if I did. But I just bought it again on my phone. I'm going to play that again. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it in the future. Maybe we won't. But anyway, choose your own adventure. Story-heavy stuff is what these guys do well. And that is exactly what Heaven's Vault is. Uh, so I've only played it for about maybe 20 minutes. I wanted just to give a quick shout-out because it is out for sale. And I'm sure people will be curious about it. Um, so 
it's kind of a strange game. Essentially, you play a woman researcher, and at first it's really hard to tell what the setting is because she she dresses like she's like um. I mean, I don't mean to like stereotype or anything, but she kind of dresses like perhaps she is a Muslim. Um, she's got like a headscarf and she uh, looks, you know, to be from that region of the world. I mean, no, no disrespect at all. Just kind of it's an observation. Uh, and she seems to be like investigating a ruin. But then before too long, like a robot shows up. And so you're like, oh, OK, well, maybe this is future sci-fi. But then there's also just like houses and people. And it's kind of a weird mix of like real world, but then also fantasy at some point, she uh, goes out in space and she's like, okay, so this is clearly like the future, but it's got a really weird, it doesn't feel like super sci-fi. Like it feels like very reality-based, feels very relatable, but then there are these weird sci-fi elements, but it's third person and the presentation is really unusual. So it's like hand-drawn visuals, but what happens is when you move, it's kind of like fast-forwarding a picture where she'll be standing. If you stand still, you can see her whole body and it's fine. It looks just like a hand-drawn animation 2D picture. But then when she moves, it's kind of like she like fades and kind of like fast forwards. So it's kind of like you're jumping ahead to her next animation and then jumping ahead and jumping ahead. Like it's not a smooth standard animation. And it looks super interesting. Like it's, it's definitely a choice. It's not like a limitation of the technology. Like these guys definitely did this on purpose. And it looks just really unlike anything else I've ever seen. Like, it just seems like you're just watching this strange, transported through time, visual sort of thing. And it's just really, really interesting. Um, check out YouTube or some videos. I know I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this, but <laughs> it really does look very much like its own thing. I can't think of any other game that looks like this, which is pretty cool. So what you do is you, you start off on a quest. One of your friends uh, disappears, and they're also a researcher. And so you need to go find that person. And along the way, you're trying to find clues about what happened to this person. But your jam as a researcher is to figure out this old language. And you will come across ruins and artifacts and various you know pieces of information, text or whatever. And it'll have these symbols on it. And you don't know what these symbols mean. And so you'll have to, you know, somebody will hand you like a cup. And they'll be like, hey, we found this cup. What do you make of this? And then you'll be like, oh, okay, well, it's a cup. And it's from... XYZ time period and then the, you see the symbols and you're like well considering where you found this cup and considering that there's a statue nearby and considering this planet I think that the symbol means and then you get like three or four choices and you can it can be like goddess or water or emperor or prisoner or something and so you just like take your best guess as to what you think that word means you plug it in and then um, if you get it right It'll be like, yeah, I feel really confident about this. Like, this is a good translation. Or if you don't get it right, then it's like, well, maybe, maybe I'm on the right track. Maybe I'm on the wrong track, but I don't know what it means. So I'm just going to leave the bad translation in there for now. Maybe I'll figure it out later. And so you're just kind of piecing this language together. And that's like a lot of what the game is, is just finding these ruins, finding these symbols and putting it together to try to figure out what the language is. But along the way, you're also finding out who your character is. And there are lots, there's lots of text that comes up and you can choose uh, usually between two responses and you don't know what the response is before you choose it, which I got to admit is not really a thing I'm really a fan of. So like if you talk to a person, they'll be like, hey, so-and-so, what do you think about uh, this story that I just told you? And then one response will be dot, dot, dot. And one response will be question mark, question mark, question mark. And I'm like, well, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> 
So you pick one, whatever one you think you mean, and sometimes it comes out like you mean, like you want it to, and sometimes you're like, oh, that's rude. I didn't mean to say that. And so it's kind of like a learning who your character is, learning how she relates to the world. Um, and it doesn't necessarily feel like you are that character. It definitely feels like you're kind of observing her or trying to figure her out or kind of go along with her on this journey that like you're not necessarily her yourself, which I think is a very good distinction to make. So that's about as far as I got. Like I said, I only played it for about 20 minutes or half an hour. I really liked what I saw so far. Very interesting. Uh, there will not be any combat. I don't think I, I would be very surprised if there was combat. I don't think there is. It's, it seems to be just like a storytelling, choose your own adventure, narrative, character building kind of a game with some language puzzles built in. And uh, it just seems very much like any, like, like unlike anything I've played in a while. Uh, very unique, very distinct and uh something very far off the beaten path i'm definitely interested in getting further into this uh when i get some more time uh but so far i mean i'm i'm just really into it so if this sounds like a jam for people out there who like weird story games or narrative games or games where combat's not a thing maybe check this one out uh this is heaven's vault from inkle studios Corey, what do you think man um, when you're talking about the sort of like language translation uh sections of the game is it, like, puzzle-focused, or are you just, like, taking guesses at what you think it is? No, you are, you are just taking a guess. Like, there's the, the only... I mean, maybe I shouldn't characterize it as a puzzle. That's not exactly correct. It's like you'll see a word on the screen in symbol, symbol word, and you don't know what it means. And then there will be a blank spot below that where you plug in a word, and then below the blank spot, there's, like, four or five different words that you can choose. So you can be like, well based on what this object is and what I already know and where I am and what this guy told me, putting all those things together, just you and your head putting it together, you just take a guess. Mm -hmm. And so you plug in a word in the blank spot and if, it, if you get it right, you know, you'll be like, yeah, this feels like totally the right thing. And if you don't, then it's like, well, I don't know what the real answer is, but I'll just have to work with what I've got. And you can go back and change them later if you feel like you've got a better answer later. So eventually, like over the course of the game, I assume that you will be plugging in holes and figuring out which word is which. And once you've got one figured out, then it's like, oh, okay, well, the next translation's easier because I already know, like, this is the symbol for water. So when this comes up, okay, this is definitely water. And then the next time you can, you know, you kind of just kind of build on it as you go. So it's not necessarily a puzzle. It's kind of like figure, just kind of figuring out what this language is based on the clues you find, based on the symbols you find, and based on the context. Kind of, I mean, I guess kind of just like a real life um, language expert would probably do. Huh, this sounds like alarmingly similar to how Return of Obra Dinn worked because in that game, um, it's kind of the same thing where you're just like going through the ship and you're like going through the different phases of seeing the dead bodies and you have like a journal and you can open the journal at any point and you can put down like who you think the identity of the person was and how you think they died and what you think they died from. But just because you put it in the journal doesn't necessarily mean it's true. You just kind of like put it there. Yeah, as a placeholder. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like very similar thing. Um, I I remember you like emailed me about this game and I kind of took a look at it and I thought that maybe it was like going to be too puzzle heavy or too obtuse for me because usually I don't really go in for like puzzle games per se. But this now that you like have played it and are explaining it to me. And it sound doesn't sound like a puzzle game, puzzle game. Like, it, I'm actually more attracted to the idea of playing it now than I was whenever I just kind of, like, initially, you know, checked out a trailer or, like, read some text about it to kind of see what I thought it was now that I know it's not, like, a straight-up puzzle game. Um, it does sound interesting. And the animation sounds interesting. Because uh, whenever you're talking about sort of, like, the phasing or the fast-forwarding, I feel like I know exactly what you mean whenever you say that, which is good. 
Um, but the the text thing sounds like it would get on my nerves too, where you don't like know exactly what the person's going to mean. Because whenever you're talking about that, I was thinking about um, something like Mass Effect that does it really well, where like whenever you're talking to somebody, it gives you like four or five different things you can say. But whenever you select one of the phrases, that's not exactly what Commander Shepard says, but usually it's close enough to where it's like more or less the same thing. But I am not certain I would be able to deal with just like the dot, dot, dots or the question marks very well, because that seems a little bit too, um, I guess, just like obtuse for me. It's really annoying because there's been a few times when I, in my head, I, I thought of something that I wanted to say. And I'm like, well, I mean, maybe that's dots. Let's try the dots and see if that gets me where I want to go. <laughs> and then she'll say something. I mean, I see her character right now. It's kind of weird because she's actually really abrasive um, when she talks to people. And it's very easy to say something that's, I mean, to me, seems really rude or really kind of just brusque and inappropriate. And I get that that's probably part of the character. Like I said, you're kind of learning who she is. You're not necessarily playing as her. So I have to make that distinction in my head. But. There's definitely been a few times when I piss somebody off. I'm like, damn it. I didn't want to make them mad. Why <laughs> talk nice lady? Jesus. Like the, let, tell me what I'm going to choose. Like, so that does happen. That's been a little bit frustrating. Um, the other frustrating, well, the other potentially frustrating thing, which I have not been frustrated by yet, but I, I suspect maybe an issue is I was talking to a few other people who have played this and they say that one of the problems with this game is that you do have to travel between locations. And they say that the traveling does get to be kind of a drag at some point. Um, so I haven't really had that as a problem because I'm just so early in the game. But uh, I guess at some point, if you are looking for a particular ruin or a particular word and you need to travel back and forth, maybe that's a problem. I mean, I can't speak to that personally, but people say, yeah, that is a little bit of a drag. So um, I, I mean, I don't know that I would necessarily recommend this to you based on what I've played so far, but I think it's super interesting and super different. And I'm looking forward to to finding out more. So I'll keep you filled in. And uh, if it seems like more of a Cory Jam, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. Okay, that sounds like a plan that I can get behind. Excellent, excellent. Okay, I got nothing else to say on that. Let's move on to your topic, and it looks like we're coming back to uh, spend some more time with Agent 47. What's up, Corey? <laughs> it's true. So um, sort of unexpectedly about, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago, I'm actually looking at um, Io's website right now, on April 11th to be specific, um, uh, Hitman 2, the developers of Hitman 2 kind of outlined their next, sort of like what they're doing with Hitman, because whenever Hitman 2 originally came out, and it launched in like November or December, they put out the regular edition that just had the missions, the silver edition, which like promised extra stuff, and then the gold edition, which promised even more stuff for free. So they kind of like, I don't know if they went off the hinges, I don't know what I would say about this, because I feel like two extra editions is a little bit much, but... Because I am spoiled and privileged and write and podcast for video game sites, um, I got the gold edition for the review edition, which my review has been up on Game Critics. We've podcasted at length about this game, so my thoughts are well documented. So basically what that means for me is that I'm going to get all the stuff for free, all the extra stuff. So um, I just kind of want to give like a new news thing about Hitman and then talk about one of the new maps specifically. So they put out their new content highlights map, which they're calling it. And in, they kind of do it by season right now. So in the spring, which is right now, they unlocked a new sniper assassin, one of the new sniper uh, hitman maps, which they launched with one already on the game itself. And then they just put out a second one. And in the summer, they're bringing a new mission to the game, which takes place in a bank. And I'm super excited about that because I love a good bank heist in a game. I mean, you have... Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, the bank heist, and that game was the best part of the entire game. 
uh, Dishonored 2, uh, Death of the Outsider, um, pretty much followed up right after that with a really good bank heist mission. And I mean, I don't think the Hitman mission is going to be a heist per se, because they're generally about killing people and not about stealing things. But just the fact that IO is doing a bank makes me like really excited. So they haven't really like unveiled what it looks like or shown any screenshots or anything. But the bank is going to be the next location in the summer release. And then in the fall, they're releasing another sniper map called the Hitman, or the Hitman, the prison. And then they're releasing a, a mission at the, I mean, sometime in the fall that they're just calling the resort. And the picture that they have on their roadmap has like a sunny beach and palm trees. So it's probably going to be like similar to the opening mission, maybe, but like during the day and sunshiny and stuff like that. So I just kind of want to give people, if they haven't really been in tune with that sort of an outline of what they have coming up. And then I played last night the new sniper mission that they released like a week or two ago, which is called the Hantu Port. Um, and before I move on to talking about the mission specifically, Brad, do you have anything, any questions or input about the, the content roadmap for Hitman? No, no. I mean, it sounds good. I mean, I'm glad that they're continuing to add things and change things. I mean, I have to be honest with you, dude. I kind of dropped off um, Hitman after I finished it just because I got really busy with life and with other games. And, um, I, you know, I know that... I know that a lot of games want to keep you coming back. Like they kind of want to be like a sort of a game as a service thing where they just want you to like engage. I mean, Monster Hunter does that a lot. Hitman does that a lot. Uh, you know, Fortnite. I mean, there's a lot of games where they keep adding stuff over and over, but I don't know about you, man, but it's really hard for me to come back to a game over and over because once I leave a game, I forget what the controls are and I forget what I'm doing <laughs> and I forget how to play. And usually that stuff is for high level people or for, you know, people who are really deep into it. And it's, kind of hard to go from zero to 60 after i come back to something and i just forget like i don't have time to keep up with like oh there's some you know like how do you how do you even find out that this new stuff is coming out like how do you even know that there's new stuff in hitman you know yeah i am um, i kind of have the same issue to be frank and like it's weird because i'm like a huge hitman fan i know whenever we talked about it on the on our original hitman 2 show like you're kind of more of the, like, I'll play every mission once, maybe twice, and just kind of get through it. Whereas I'm the one who's like, oh, yeah, I go back and play every mission, like, 45 times and unlock everything and do all the challenges and, like, try to do that. And even with knowing that and how much I love Hitman and how much I, you know, spent, like, hours upon hours upon hours playing Hitman 2 whenever it came out, um, all of, like, unless it's, like, a new mission specifically, like, a new map or a new mission, um... I like don't really find myself coming back to Hitman because they do the um, the elusive targets, which are like the one-time, one-shot uh, challenges in a pre-existing map, which I think are a great idea, and I love them. I just never do them. I just forget about them, and they're like limited release, so they're only out for like a week or two oh, weeks God, or I three know, days dude. or whatever. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, I mean, I think they're a great idea, but like I just never find myself like. And I follow, like, the community managers and, like, all the marketing people from IO Interactive on Twitter. And, like, they're always tweeting about it and always giving updates. So they're, like, doing their job. But I just, like, never find myself interested in going back to play them. Um, but, like, with this uh, whole, like, you know, roadmap of stuff that they're releasing, I'm excited about it because there's a new sniper mission. The bank mission is coming out. There's going to be another sniper mission. And it's just, like, I just, like, want them to give me more missions. That's, like, all I really care about is just, like, give me a new map, give me a new mission, and then that will keep me coming back. Like, giving me different missions in the same maps, unless the map is, like, remixed or rejigged in a way, like, then I will come back. But if it's just the exact same map and they just put, like, 
a different target in a different place. Like, yeah, maybe I'll do it like once and that's like a big maybe, um, but that generally doesn't keep me coming back. Um, so I feel like you and I are kind of in a similar spot on that. I mean, I think, I mean, absolutely. Yes, for sure. I, I don't mind coming back to a game. Like if there's a big chunk, like if there was like, three missions and a couple, you know, new little sniper levels or something like I would come back and play them all like in a week and I would focus on that game for like that week. But like, I just find it, I find that games these days want to be, they want me to marry them and just stay married to them forever. <laughs> and that's just not how I play games. That's how I, that's how I do. That's how I do my life when it comes to women. <laughs> I'm, I'm not phrasing that properly, but you know what I mean? Like when it comes to women, yes, I'm happy to marry one and stay married to one forever. But when it comes to games, like I don't, I, I only have so many hours during the week. Right. And like, so, okay. So if I play, hitman some new hitman level came out that means i'm not playing something else and so like if this something keeps popping up like these limited time missions or something it's like you're asking me to give up time with something else to play this one new mission that came out when i would rather just like get all the content at once so like their their system of like the time limited missions i miss all those because i just can't give up whatever i'm playing that week to like make time for hitman because it's just there's not enough hours in the day dude and i can only have like one forever game and right now i think my forever game is like Fortnite because I play with my son so that's the one I come back to but everything else has got to rotate like just let me play through it I'm done I want to move on I don't need to fill up every hour of every day with a game that just never expires you know what I mean yeah and I I mean I'm pretty much feel exactly the same way about pretty much about that and that's like you know like I said before even like coming from me who's like a huge hitman fan I feel like I'm like the target audience, pun intended, for like for this kind of thing where it's like they keep adding more stuff, they keep adding new missions, blah, 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 elusive targets. And I feel like I should be the person who like really wants to be coming back to it. But really, I just like don't. Like I love Hitman and I don't think any less of them for like putting more content in it um, that's not necessarily like brand new maps or brand new missions or whatever. Um, but it just like that stuff doesn't interest me. Like I just want, I just want new levels. Like that's pretty much what I come to Hitman for is for like brand new levels and brand new missions and everything. But uh, but luckily um, they are doing that now. So with the new map that they put out, and I even slept on this for like two weeks before playing it. I like remembered it mid afternoon yesterday, and I was like, oh yeah, I need to try that so I can talk about it on the show. And I'd been meaning to, I just kept forgetting about it. Um, but they put out a new Hitman sniper mission. For those that aren't familiar, a sniper. Uh, assassin mission in hitman is basically they've only done three they did one that was a pre-order bonus for hitman absolution that came out back in like 2000 i don't know like 10 or 11 and then they did one with hitman 2 and it was like a pre-order bonus but then it was packaged with the game whenever it came out and now they've added another one and it is basically where instead of walking agent 47 around a mission like you do in normal levels He's basically perched up in one spot and he overlooks the entire map. You cannot move him. You cannot walk around. You can't even stand up. He's just sitting there in his cool, like, hitman pose with, like, his legs kind of split and a sniper rifle um, between them. And you basically just watch all of the moving parts of the map. You usually have, like, three targets. It's never just one. And then there's a bunch of bodyguards that they want you to take out as many as you can. And there's, like, a lot of just stuff going on and they're always on a time limit. So the new one is at uh, Hantu Port. So it's in Singapore. There's boats around. It's basically like a port. You know, it's a dock. There's boats. There's big, um, you know, shipping containers. There's like a dockyard with shipping containers all over it. It's a really well-done map. It's like during the sunset. It looks really pretty. There's three targets you have to take out. There's some kind of like, I don't know, Singapore assassins or something. I mean, the story is never like <laughs> the goal here. Basically, they've kidnapped two people. They're going to ship them off and like murder them if you don't kill 
the the three like top assassins within this 15 minute window it's kind of like a triad kind of thing and so basically you just have the targets you have to make sure that the hostages don't die because if you kill one of the targets and then the other two find out they'll try to kill the hostages if a hostage dies then you you know it's game over and i played through this about four times last night because this is one of those things much like the regular maps where they want you to play through it over and over again because every time you play through it you can unlock different challenges you can unlock upgrades for your sniper rifle like the first upgrade i got was like a bigger magazine and then i got a faster reload and so it's just like stuff like that like it's just additions to your sniper rifle you don't choose them the game just gives them to you once you get a certain amount of points um and i uh i really like this map i think it's really fun um there's a lot of stuff going on the thing that i like about the hitman sniper missions is that i mean they keep like the gameplay, very, even though you're just sitting up in the sniper tower and you're not, like, walking around the map, they still keep them very true to how a regular Hitman mission feels because there's a lot going on under the surface that you're not immediately aware of that's happening in the level. And you can also use your gun to, like, manipulate things in the level that, you know, ordinarily you'd probably just, like, walk up and press a button to. Like, for example, in this map, there's a woman who goes into this kind of, like, caravan sort of, like, shed thing and she goes in and uses a satellite phone to make a phone call like several times in the mission. And there's like a little satellite dish on top of the caravan thing. And if you shoot the dish, then her phone goes down and she like walks to a completely different area on the other side of the map. And if you don't shoot the satellite dish, then she normally wouldn't do that. Um, so there's just like little things you can do that where you can like manipulate the level and really like interesting and creative ways that keep it true to Hitman, but also in a different way because you're just sitting up there with a sniper rifle and you're not like running around and putting on disguises and doing like the whole nine yards. Um, but I really like the level. I mean, there's not really a whole lot I can say other than it's like a sniper mission. Your mission is to kill three of the people and then try to take out as many um, guards as possible before they escape. Um, I still haven't, there's a way to like silent assassin this. I have not done that. Every time I kill a target, everybody goes on alert cause I'm kind of sloppy. Um, but it's just cool to like watch through this whole 15 minutes the first time you play it or if you're me anyway and do it this way and like see what happens within that 15 minute window and you kind of like i like failed the mission on purpose the first time just so i could watch what everybody was doing during those 15 minutes just so i could kind of get like an idea about where people go what they do where they end up and you know try to like plan things around that uh, so that way i could kill them because there are some ways that you can kill all the targets like with one shot like you can shoot i don't know like a barrel and it explodes and kills kills all of them or something but you have to like do sometimes you have to like create a certain amount of diversions in the level in order to get them all in the same spot so it's just really interesting um i like the way that these maps are done i think they're creative um and you know they require some repetition just like the other maps you know the regular hitman levels and this is just like a little bit more of the same. I mean, obviously they're not going to like rewrite the book on the sniper missions for this, but I do like it. And if you're a Hitman Silver or Gold Edition uh, purchaser, then you get it for free. Um, I don't know how much it is. If it's just DLC that you buy on its own, I have no idea because I haven't looked because I got it for free with the Gold Edition. Um, but I recommend it. I like it. Um, I don't know what else to say other than it's more sniper. It's good. It's creative. I played it like four times last night. Probably going to play it some more tonight just to see what all I can do. And that's that. Excellent. Excellent. I actually really like the sniper missions a lot. I like the first one and I'm glad they've added more. I wish that they would um, 
incorporate those into the main campaign to make them a little bit more of a focus. I think that would be pretty cool. I think there's a lot of good opportunities for that. Uh, for example, uh, when I played uh, Alpha Protocol, uh, there was at least one or two sections of the actual campaign where you did a mission that was just like this, the Hitman Sniper missions. And it was really fun because like your handler would like tell you certain things and certain things would change during that mission. And so you had to like make decisions about whether to shoot somebody or not shoot somebody or to, you know, take action or not take action. Um, I think Hitman could really leverage that to be more of a bonus mode. So I would like them to see that that be integrated more. But regardless, I think those missions are really fun and I definitely will play this stuff. I mean, as long as it's not time limited, I would be very glad to come back um, once Hitman has a big clutch of new stuff and just kind of, you know, like I said earlier, just take a couple days, just go through it all and just, you know, revisit Agent 47. I just don't want to do it over dribs and drabs over, you know, an entire year. I just want to do it like in big bursts. So, uh, I'm, I'm down for this. I'm down for this. Just whenever it's ready to go on the upcoming DLC and stuff, I, I will definitely check it out. Yeah. And something else to note, whenever you said that you wanted to play it, I thought about this, um, with the addition of the Hitman sniper missions in, um, Hitman two, they do have a co-op mode in them. So if you know somebody that plays Hitman two, um, the snipper, the snipper, the sniper missions specifically, not the rest of the missions, but only the sniper ones do have a co-op mode where you like, I think you and your partner are like staked up in two different areas in the level and you just kind of go about the exact same scenario, but with two people, which is kind of creative. Cause then you can like shoot two guards in the head at the same time. If they're looking at each other, you know, to like minimize the, you know, the outbreak or the, the scare or whatever, um, from killing somebody. So this also has co-op in it as well just like the original map so i mean that maybe... sounds really cool but i don't know anybody who plays hitman so i don't know who i'd ever play that with except for me ah it's you Corey. <laughs> <laughs> we should I, I was gonna say we should make some time to play co-op in this but man um just kind of a side we note we've been i know <laughs> we have no people people listening let me tell you we have had a comedy of errors trying to find time to play the fucking division it has been so impossible to find time but at some point before the end of 2019, we should find half an hour to play this like co-op sniper thing. That sounds like a lot of fun. I would love to do that because we I've never tried it in co-op, so I'm definitely interested in it. I mean, that sounds dope, dude. Like, I mean, two people killing killing folks on purpose and getting this mission done. That sounds amazing. In fact, I kind of wish that there was like a two player, like regular third person hitman mode, like Agent 47. And then like, I don't know, Agent 48 shows up and then you could just... Two people doing shit? I mean, like the options would be like amazing for that. That just sounds so fun. I wish they could uh, get something going on that. Perhaps they will for Hitman 3. Who knows? We shall see. We shall see. Uh, well, it sounds good. Any final thoughts or should we move on? Uh, I think we can move on. All right. Uh, I don't know if people have been waiting for me to talk about this. I know a lot of people on Twitter were waiting for me to talk about it, which kind of made me feel a little weird because I wasn't really <laughs> quite ready to talk about it for a while. And a lot of discourse was happening and a lot of shit was going down, but a I lot, finally, hold on Brad, a lot of discourse on Twitter. You say, surely you just No, for serious people were talking about things. It was really weird. How uh, strange for there to be discourse on social media. I know. I don't know how it happened. No, totally unexpected. Just out of the blue. I didn't see it coming at all. It was just really caught me by surprise. Uh, but yeah, I finally got around to it. So if you've been waiting, this is your this is your first dose. Uh, maybe more, who knows? But I finally got around to playing Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice from FromSoft, the makers of the small unknown indie game uh, known as Dark Souls and that whole thing. So this is their latest. Just came out. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It feels like an eternity, but <laughs> uh, eternity of suffering is when it feels like it came out. But I mean, probably it's more like. 
two weeks or something or three weeks or however long it's been. I mean, it's just been crazy online. But putting all the discourse aside for just a moment, uh, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, like I said, from the FromSoft people. This is not a Souls-like, even though it has a little bit of shared DNA. Basically, you play a ninja and your arm gets chopped off in the first like five minutes of the game. Your left arm gets chopped off and it gets replaced with a prosthetic arm, which also has lots of little tricky doodads it's got like a grappling hook it's got uh a thing that shoots ninja stars it's got an axe it's got a flamethrower etc 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 i haven't got all the stuff yet but there's a, a bunch of attachments you can get for it and, and you know just like you think being a ninja with a a thing that shoots fire in your arm is pretty cool <laughs> so you it's third person real-time action you grapple around these environments and the environments are all, you know, vaguely like Asian slash Japanese themed, like lots of temples, lots of Buddha statues. Um, they're definitely borrowing from a lot of Japanese mythology, like ogres and that kind of stuff, stuff that you, you know, anybody familiar with um, that kind of setting, we'll, we'll see a lot of familiar themes here. The story is actually pretty straightforward, which is kind of a, a divergence for these guys. I mean, Dark Souls is famous for having, Stories which are really impenetrable and you need like a whole series of YouTube videos to understand. Uh, not so this time. They, they, You are a very specific character. They tell you what's happened. They tell you who you're supposed to save. They tell you what's going down. It's all very straightforward. So that's actually pretty refreshing. I like the ability to actually understand the story uh, without having to go to like a wiki or something. Um, and in general, I mean, as one might expect, it's definitely on the difficult side. I'll get into that in a minute. But I mean, I think what I've seen so far is pretty cool. Um, being a ninja is great. The mobility in the level is really nice because there's lots of things that you can grapple onto. And so there's a lot of verticality. Um, you're not just on the ground all the time. So you're very often on rooftops, you're on fences, you're like hanging from things and you can do like a whole death from above thing. If you find a guard who's like, you know, not near anybody, you can jump down off a roof and just stab him on the way down. And that's always as fun as you think it might be. Um, so in general, I think it's really cool. I, I like the way that it plays. It's very fast, very action-y. Um, it's got a good feel to it. But I, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of discourse. I mean, Sekiro is the game that kicked off the whole difficulty discussion slash accessibility slash easy mode discussion. We're not going to get into all that here. Um, but I will say that, you know, I mean, there's definitely a lot to examine with this game. And I don't think it's as simple as having an easy mode or not having an easy mode. Because having gone through this game now, I mean, I I'm, I don't know how many hours I put in. Probably about 10 hours or so. And I'm not super far into it. I mean, this to me feels like it's probably going to be like an 80-hour game. I mean, if that, if maybe not more. Uh, because progress has been pretty slow and there's been a lot to learn. And you're very weak at the beginning. You're very underpowered. And so it's definitely a big hill to climb. People tell me that it gets a lot easier once you're further in. Because you get like, you know, upgrades. And your life gets, you know, increased. And you're life refills gets better and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm expecting it to go quicker as you get closer to the end. But at the beginning, it's a very tough hill to climb. So, I mean, I think my big takeaway from this so far is that it is actually a pretty cool game. Like, I really do like it. But there's a lot of bad habits that are specific to FromSoft, which are still in this game, which I don't think serve this game very well. And... Um, I, it's definitely not about difficulty. I mean, part of it is about difficulty, but part of it is just about design decisions that I think are maybe not really great on the quality of life scale. Uh, for example, uh, Gary Butterfield over at uh, the Duckfeed podcast network. I'm a big fan of his. Nice guy. I've been on a show. Uh, love Gary. Very smart guy. He always has a lot of really intelligent and interesting things to say, and he's a big Dark Souls guy. Uh, he 
I believe invented the phrase time tax. I think he coined that. Uh, I mean, if, if he didn't, he's the first person I've ever heard say it, but basically a time tax is a decision in a game where it doesn't really add anything to the gameplay. It just serves to make you put more time into it. So if you're uh, like, for example, in Sekiro, you have, uh, you need these, this special resource. They're called emblems. You need those to use your prosthetic arm. So if you want to use the flamethrower, if you want to use the, the, the ninja shooter, the star shooter, you have to have emblems to do it. And that is a finite resource. So you can buy a bunch and you can stock a bunch, but it's possible to run out. And if you run out of those, then you cannot use your special weapon. How you get more is you just go and get some gold and buy some more. I mean, you can find some here and there, but like so far, like I've just had to buy a bunch. So the time tax aspect of this is you going to farm some scrubs to get the gold to buy the resource that lets you use your special ability rather than just being able to use the special ability on a cooldown or being able to, you know, like, for example, something that's famous in Dark Souls is like whenever you go to a bonfire or a, uh, a statue in this case to rest the game automatically refills those things for you uh, free of charge. So you have a limit, you know, for example, when I go to fight a boss, I can use my special arm. Like let's say I can use it five times and then it's empty. So if I go back to rest, it'll refill the five times and then come back. But the game doesn't do that. Like it should. So there's a lot of time taxes where you just have to go kill guys to get gold, to like buy the resource that you need. But really farming that resource doesn't teach you anything about the game. It doesn't help you play the game better. It's not a fun thing to do and you don't really get any other real benefit from doing it. It's just a thing that you have to do so that you don't run out. You know what I mean? Like, am I explaining this properly? I think you're making it coming from someone who has played like two of the souls games for about 20 minutes a piece and who has no interest in this game. I think you're explaining it incredibly clear to me. <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you. So, like, a time tax is just a, just the thing you got to do just because. Like, I don't think anything would be lost if they let you use that for free or if you had to if you had to stop collecting those items. Um, so that's the thing that's really irritating. Another thing that I think is a real kind of, like, low quality of life kind of time tax sort of thing is when you have, you have like, a lot of limited items. Like, you have, like, an item that lets you hit harder with your sword. You have an item that lets you... Uh, I don't know, take less damage or whatever, you know, like, but they're all like a single use thing. So if you use those fight a boss die, like those items don't come back. And so there's very few of them. And I feel like for a game like this, like, it's just like, why, like, why are you doing that? You know, like you give me this item, if I'm not supposed to use it until I know for sure that I'm going to win. I mean, like it, it just, it seems to me like a poor decision. Like, you're not really being respectful of my time. Like if I have to fight this boss 15 times in a row, I'm going to damn sure run out of this resource before I finish fighting the boss. So, I mean, to me personally, I would appreciate if those items reset when you died, um, because just because it just, it just saves time, you know, like you don't have to like collect anymore. And if you want me to use this resource, then I'll use it. But if you don't want to use it, then why is it here? Like I, it's a thing that, I mean, that one's maybe debatable. It's maybe less of a time tax than the other thing, but I still feel like, it's not a great quality of life. Um, and the other thing that needs to be discussed is the bosses. I feel like Sekiro is kind of a game of two parts. I feel like when you were in the levels, and the levels are awesome. Like, let me be clear. Like, I think FromSoft is really strong when it comes to level design. Their levels are always really great. You never need a map because everything is so visually distinct. Like, you remember where everything is. 
There's really interesting little architecture going on, little nooks and crannies and little things that they do. So I think that the levels are really cool and being a ninja that can grapple all over the place is also really cool. You know I love grappling at core. You know I love grappling hook. <laughs> but does the game have tower defense elements, Brad, or any big towers? Uh, you know, there are some towers. Not Nothing that I've climbed so far in that sense. Like, I don't have that addiction going yet, but there may be a tower later on. I wouldn't be surprised. But, but regardless, um, so when you're hopping and bopping through the level, like stabbing dudes from above, grappling and swinging and hiding, really cool. Like, I think it's a really fucking fun, cool game. Uh, but the other half of the game is the bosses. And it, I mean, it almost feels like the bosses are made by a different team. I don't think that's true, but it's such a different thing from the rest of the game. It almost feels like a separate mode where you get to some of the bosses and then all of a sudden you have to be really good at countering or deflecting or parrying. And so I'm kind of terrible at it. I just, I'm up front, <laughs> just, I'm kind of terrible at it. So you don't get to change how you want to build. Um, which is fine. Like you can't be a tank. You can't be a magic user. Like you're just the ninja. Like there's only one ninja. There's only one build in the game. So you have to get good at what he does. And what he does is counter and stab. And so these bosses are basically about pattern memorization where they'll do, you know, for example, like a guy will be like five quick jabs, a horizontal sweep, and then he'll do like a jump attack. And so like, once you understand that that's what he's going to do, and once you know what the timing of it is, then you can like parry and counter those and get them back and it's fine. But it just takes a while to practice that. And they're very lethal. You die really, really quickly. Uh, and the action is very fast. And so, you know, I'm, I'm over 40. My reflexes are not what they used to be. I mean, I feel like I can still play this game, but I feel like I'm probably going to die more often than somebody who's like 23 and drinking some Mountain Dew. So <laughs> I die a lot and I feel like that aspect of the game is okay, but it's maybe not my favorite thing. And I wouldn't mind if maybe it was like a little bit slower or if the guys were just like a little bit less lethal because it's kind of a drag to get to a boss. You got to learn the guy's pattern. He kills you like in a couple swipes. Okay. Reload, run back to the boss, practice this again. I mean, it's not, it's not anything that from hasn't done in the past. I mean, that's kind of how dark souls has worked this whole time, but I feel like, you used to have options before, like you could be a different build. You could get um, help from other people. If you wanted to summon a friend in, there were options and that was fine. That helped you kind of like mitigate some of that difficulty this time around. You just, you're just on your own and they want you to play it a certain way, which is fine. But I think a little bit of variation on like how fast these guys attack or how lethal they are would kind of help make it a little bit less frustrating because I just want to practice these bosses and get past them. And if there's like five and 10 minutes between attempts at the boss, it just, just that waiting time makes it really frustrating. And I think that's something that um, a lot of developers have figured out. Like if you don't make people wait, then you can actually make your challenges a lot harder because as long as they continue to keep trying, that trying mitigates like the frustration. But if you're just sitting waiting, waiting for a load screen, waiting to get back to the battle, waiting to get past this part so you can try again, that, that wait time is one of the things that makes things really frustrating. And so I'm kind of... I'm kind of dealing with that a little bit. I've had a couple bosses so far, or mini bosses to be specific, where the the time between attempts is like five and ten minutes sometimes. And just that waiting and getting back and trying again is really frustrating because it sucks to like wait five minutes, you get to this guy, he kills you in two swipes, and then another five minutes. Like that to me feels like another time tax where you're just 
taking away my actual lifespan while I'm trying to get past this part of your game. <laughs> and it doesn't need to be. Like, it doesn't need to be that. There could be, like, a save point be behind each boss, and maybe it gets better later on. I mean, granted, I'm, I'm still pretty new at this game. Even though I've put in 10 hours, it doesn't feel like I'm, I'm really that good at it yet. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you get tougher as you go. Your life bar gets better. Your attack probably gets stronger. So things probably change as you go on. Uh, I'm probably just having the the early starting game woes right now, but there's definitely a few things that I feel like could be tweaked where it wouldn't it wouldn't negate the value of the game. It wouldn't ruin the challenge. Like it wouldn't make this any less of a game just to make a few concessions to the player. So I'll probably have more thoughts later on. Um, but right now, my my basic takeaway is it's actually a pretty good game, and doubly so if you like ninjas. Like if you're down with ninjas, this is a really good ninja game. Um, there's just a few choices that I, I think could be changed and that maybe don't serve the game that well. And, uh, I think FromSoft would, would do themselves a favor by listening to people's complaints or by listening to people's criticism and maybe being open to making a few changes where the game would still be great. It just wouldn't be like as punishing and wouldn't be as taxing of your time. So I'm doing a little bit every day. It's This is not my main jam right now because this feels like a really big ask and a really long play, but I will be chipping away at it and uh, we'll see how it goes. But that's kind of my thoughts for now, Corey. Any questions or thoughts, feelings? I have all of those things. I have questions, I have thoughts, and I have feelings. Um, I'm going to open with a really bad joke here. I made this joke on Twitter, but I'm going to go ahead and make it here again because I have all these platforms and who am I to not use them correctly? I think if they make an easy, quote-unquote, easy version, more accessible version, or whatever mode of the game, that it needs to be called Sekiro Shadows Die. Nice. <laughs> and, okay, let me get to the real questions now. Okay, Because okay. that was really cheesy. <laughs> so if you had to, like, put it into percentages of, like, how much percent of your time spent playing the game is, like, mission missions, and how much is boss battles, how would those, like, weigh out to each other? I mean, at this point, it's probably 50-50, but okay. that's because I suck at the bosses, and <laughs> I just uh, I just need to practice them more. I need to get better at them. Um, the thing I didn't really mention is that it's not just a matter of parrying. It's, I mean, it's you have to remember, memorize your pattern. You have to know which kind of parry to do because you actually end up getting, like, three different kinds of parries. There's, like, you block with your sword, you can jump over a horizontal attack, or you can block a thrust attack but that's a different kind of parry like there's a different button input for that so there's at least three parry type of things but then there's also dodge out of the way and so like it's hard to read sometimes like it goes so fast like it's hard for me to tell is it a horizontal sweep coming is it a stab coming or is it a regular sword swipe coming and i i i'm guessing that just by sheer repetition you will just learn that and get used to it but it's really hard to learn that and so just like taking the time to, to get past these bosses eats up a lot of time like so for me levels are not that hard i think the levels are fun and interesting and i go through them pretty quickly um not only because i'm you know pretty okay at action games but also because i have experience with FromSoft. but yeah i feel like half my time so far has been just like practicing mini bosses and getting past the bosses so hopefully that percentage will change um i don't know if it will or not because i mean the word on the street is that the bosses are really real brick walls in this game but we'll see how it goes but so far 50 50 hmm. okay i don't know have you, I forgive me if you've already made this comparison, but I've heard a lot of people saying that this is sort of like a callback to Tenchu. Would you agree with that? Um, if you took out the bosses, then 100% yes. Um, but the bosses are 
like a totally like a Dark Souls thing. Okay. So, I mean, if you liked Tenchu or if you remember Tenchu from back in the day or if you just want like a ninja action game, I think it delivers. But I mean, the fact is, is like once you hit one of these bosses, you're going to be stuck. You're going to have to really accept the game on its own terms and you're going to have to do what it wants you to do. Like there's no way to get around that. Um, and I do feel like those bosses are not necessarily a good fit for the ninja action. I kind of wish that they kind of the bosses were easier or this or just it was kind of a different game or something because the ninja parts are cool. Like I like the ninja parts a lot. Um, I'm just maybe like enjoying the bosses less. So if you like Tenchu, yes, this is very Tenchu-ish, but you're not going to get too much ninja action before you're going to have to fight a boss and you will have to fight a boss. Okay, I have one last question for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so obviously I am like never going to play this game because even if they put a, a very, very easy mode in, if they put an easy mode in and people play it, and they put a very easy mode in, and then they put a very, very easy mode in. <laughs> I'm still never going to play this game, because I know that deep in my heart, this is not for me. I've tried some Souls games before. I just cannot get on with them, and that's okay. I'm not mad about it, whatever. I'm sure I'm positive the developers know what they're doing, except for maybe taking an accessibility into account with this whole thing. But whenever it comes to ninja games for me, I probably have said on the show about 65 times that... The Ninja Gaiden games are where I... That's, like, my gold standard for, like, lightning-fast sort of punishing ninja action. And I don't suspect that Sekiro and Ninja Gaiden are, like, the same thing at all. But I wanted to ask you, um, one of my big, like, things with the Ninja Gaiden games is that the boss battles are often horse shit in those games. But I feel like the bosses in those are, like, bullshit for a different reason than the Sekiro bosses. So, and I know you've played both of them at this point. So how would you like compare and contrast the different like fighting styles and boss battle types from both types of game? Uh, I think they're actually surprisingly similar. I think are that if you, they? Okay. I think they are. Yeah. If you like Ninja. Okay. So full disclosure, I fucking hate Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> I hate those games. I hate those. I hate, I hate team Ninja. I hate that experience. I hate, nin I, I hate it. Literally hate those fucking games. I know you like them. No disrespect to you or to anybody else that likes them. But they piss me off like no other game. And I fucking can't stand them. I just do not like them at all. I think they're trash. So I think, honestly, though, there's a lot of similarity here. And, like, the way that you need to approach Ninja Gaiden, and I've played all of them. Uh, not finished. I don't think I've finished any of them, but I've played all of them. It's very similar. Like, if you can play Ninja Gaiden... You can play Sekiro, no problem. Like, in fact, I think Sekiro is easier than Ninja Gaiden. Oh, no. In some ways. Yeah, I think it is. Because I remember some of those bosses being, like you said, complete, complete horseshit in Ninja Gaiden. Just really just awful. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that if you can play Ninja Gaiden, you can totally play Sekiro. And I think Sekiro even gives you more options. Because, um, I mean, apart from the time tax thing, like, you do have weapons. Each boss has, like, or as far as I've seen anyway, each boss has a weak spot. Like, for example, one one boss has a weakness to fire. So if you have the, the blowtorch thing and you light him up, it'll freeze him for like a few seconds. You can get a bunch of stabs in. Or there's another guy, like when he tries to jump on you, you can hit him with a ninja star and it, it stops him from jumping on you. So I think actually, I mean, this is going to sound fucking nuts, but I think actually Sekiro is actually easier than Ninja Gaiden. So if you, if you got through those games and you want some ninja action, I think there's a lot of similar DNA here. And in fact, I think it's better. I mean, I've already said I think those games are trash, but I think there's a lot of <laughs> sim like like going through the level and just being able to go go through the the rooftops and kind of go wherever you want to is pretty cool. And 
I mean, if you can hang in Ninja Gaiden, you can hang in Sekiro for sure. No problem. Oh my god. This is literally the first time anybody has ever said anything about this game that's made me interested in playing it. Because I love Ninja Gaiden, but I suspect I would not like Sekiro, but I might have to like... I might have to just game fly it and see just so I can say I did and then I can come back and talk about it. But I don't know. This is now like piquing my interest suddenly. Well, let me, so like, so listen to this. So like what my experience with Ninja Gaiden when you're playing it is it's fast and you have to be really on your toes mm-hmm. and you block things. And I know, I, I don't remember like pairing being that big of a thing in Ninja Gaiden. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just don't remember it. because I terrible. don't think it is. The thing that I like about Ninja Gaiden is that you can block almost everything. So yeah, you do have to be lightning fast and you do have to dodge, but like as long as your hand is on the block button, like pretty much 95% of the time an enemy cannot actually connect an attack to you. And that's what I like because it gives it a little bit of like a cooldown. And I also like that you don't have to spend as much time memorizing enemy patterns. It's more just about like kind of blocking, rolling out of the way, and kind of getting the drop on them. And the other thing I like is that it doesn't have the whole stamina thing where you can only, like, attack twice, then you have a cooldown, and attack once, and you have a cooldown. You can pretty much attack as much as you want with no, um, with, like, no cooldown or no stamina or anything. And also, nearly for the entire game, as long as your hand is on the block button, you can pretty much not get injured, minus some attacks here and there. That doesn't really stand for the bosses, but those are the reasons why I like Ninja Gaiden. So in Sekiro, there's no stamina. You can block as much as you want. You can attack as much as you want. You can run infinitely as much as you want. So there's no stamina, which is one big thing that makes it different from the Souls. So, like, if that's a thing that is a factor for you, totally as much as you want like there's no limit and in fact i mean they encourage you to go fast and they want you to be aggressive um and you can block a lot of stuff there are certain unblockable attacks and sometimes enemies will grab you like bigger enemies will grab you and like you know they'll pile drive you or something like that um so you have to like get out of the way but i think that there's probably a lot of i think there's a lot of crossover like like what you're describing and what is in Sekiro is very, very similar. Very similar. Um, you don't have, like, the all-powerful block in Sekiro. Like, you can block a lot. Um, but your stamina for blocking... Now, that's different from your stamina for attacking and running and stuff. Like, you can only take so many blocks before, like, you will lose your poise, I think is what they call it. Mm. Or your... your um, that's not the right word. It's not poise. It's... Uh, anyway, whatever. Like, your ability to, to stand ready for battle. Like, if you block too many attacks in a row... You will lose your poise and you'll, you know, you fall backwards or something. So you'll be left open. But that also works for the enemies too. Like if you attack them enough times, they block enough things, they lose their poise and then they get, they're open and you can kill them like in one stab. So the the, the, the bottom line of this is like attack fast, uh, parry when you can, and just like you will open people up for attacks and then you, like you kill most guys in one hit once you get them open. So it's not exactly the same thing. Like you're not chipping down somebody's life bar, but um, once you understand that poise system, um, it all kind of comes into clarity. And I think it's a good system. I mean, I think this is a good game. Like, I think in general, this is a good game. I just want them to, like, twiddle the knobs a little bit. You know, like, <laughs> dial back two notches on this thing and one more notch on this thing. And just, I mean, it just needs a little bit of tweaks, I think. Um, but in general, I mean, I think it's a, a smart design. I think it's a good game. I think it's fun. I'm enjoying a lot of it. I'm, I mean, I'm not enjoying some of it, but I'm enjoying a lot of it. <laughs> And I think as far as ninja games go, it's like a pretty good ninja game. I just wish they would just chill the fuck out with the bosses a little bit. <laughs> um, so, I mean, honestly, dude, like, I, this is, like, bizarre and crazy, and I feel kind of weird for even saying this, but, like, I know how much you like Ninja Gaiden, and I think that if you like Ninja Gaiden, if you can if you can finish a Ninja Gaiden, you could totally finish a Sekiro, like, no problem at all. Like, you could, you could play this for sure. 
I can't, okay, I cannot believe that five minutes ago I was like, I will never, ever, ever play this game as long as I live. And now we're like on this level now to where I think I actually want to try this game. I will put it on my Gamefly queue. I still, I don't think I'm going to like it, but everything you just said for the past few minutes has made me like, for the first time, be interested in playing this game. So I'm going to have to play it and then come back and I'll give my take on whether I think they're similar or not, or if I die, you know, a minute in and get fed up and don't want to play it anymore, that I can come back and talk about it. But it's on my GameFly queue now, and we'll. I'll just. I'll just keep. I'll keep everybody posted whenever I get in. We'll see where it goes. All right, get it on GameFly. When you get it, before you start playing that game, hit me up on Twitter, and I will tell you what you need to know because this game is terrible at teaching you how to play it. <laughs> so uh, Mike Sasky has been giving me some tips. Um, a couple other people on Twitter have been giving me some tips, which has been really helpful and great. And I don't feel like I'm taking the easy mode because the game is awful at teaching you how to play. So get the game at some point. I think that your Ninja Gaiden skills, a lot of those will transfer over. And then let me give you some important, like, need-to-know kind of stuff. And then you'll be off to the races. Hell yeah. Okay. I did not expect this conversation to go this direction, but here we are. Life is just a series of surprises, my friend. (laughs) All right, All I got right. nothing else to say on Sekiro. Um, let's let, we got one more game to talk about from you, and then we have a, a brief announcement at the end, Corey. But let's let's switch it back over to you. Uh, Left Alive is this the game from SquareSoft, where it's kind of like in the front mission universe, and it kind of looks like Metal Gear, sort of. Is that the game that where you you played? If, if you hadn't said all of that, that's exactly how I would have described this game if you had just <laughs> let me take it. That's exactly right. This is, it's called Left Alive. It's multi-platform. It's developed and published by Square Enix. Um, the, for any, basically, if you've been into video games in any capacity for the past, like, 20 years, the most striking thing about the cover art of this game is that it is the character art and the character conceptual designs are by Yoji Shinkawa, who is famously, famously known as the, uh, the like the lead artist and character designer for the Metal Gear Solid franchise. And his 2D art is very um, distinctive. Like as soon as you see it, you know who it is. And the front cover of the game, it has the logo. It has three people on the cover. It's like kind of like a half body shot of one guy and then kind of like uh, like neck up portraits of two other people it's like looks exactly like the metal gear solid drawing so yes you're absolutely right um i didn't realize until about a couple of hours ago that this was set in the front mission universe um i have never played those games so i don't know anything about them have you played them and can supply a little background here I have played many of them, but they're never as good as I want them to be. And I can't <laughs> say that I really like any of them. Basically, I mean, long story short, you're in a alternate reality where mech suits are a thing and there's political struggle and blah, blah, blah. I mean, mech suits is all you really need to know. There's nothing mech really else to say. And political struggle. Yeah. I mean, that's like half the Japanese games these days anyway. So, yeah, there you go. There's, there's nothing else to say about it. All right. Well, I see. I came to this thinking that it was like a poor man's Metal Gear Solid because I didn't know that it was in. I didn't know it was in the Front Machine universe, and I don't know anything about that that franchise. So, um, I got it from GameFly. I started it. Um, and the weird thing is that this seems like it's like a pretty big game, and there's been like no buzz, no marketing. I haven't really heard anything about it. The only thing that drew me to this game, and this is like a testament to Shinkawa's work, is. 
the drawings on the front look like Metal Gear Solid. So I immediately thought, I, I mean, obviously I didn't think this was going to be like a Metal Gear Solid game, but just seeing that makes me associate it with it. So I thought, you know, okay, like from the screenshots I've seen, it looks like a third person shooter. Um, it has this art on the front. So maybe it's like Metal Gear in a sense. And I'm kind of right, kind of wrong. So let me jump in and tell you about how the actual game is. So I game flight it. I started it last night. Um, kind of went in blind. I don't really, as you you know, could probably tell by the way I'm talking about this game. I don't really know that much about it other than it seems to be like a tactical third-person shooter, has Metal Gear art, kind of looks kind of similar to Metal Gear in the game itself. Um, you start out and the game sort of sets up this story. It's, it takes place in the year 2127. It's like there's like two countries that are in the USSR or something that are like, there's like a little country between them or like in that area and... They, like, one of the countries, like, invades the one in the middle to take over the other country. The other country fights back. And then you have, like, all these, like, war soldier refugee people all over the place. And you play as a soldier who pilots a big, like, mech suit thing. Um, not, um, alarmingly not unlike Metal Gear Rex in uh, Metal Gear Solid. Um, at the very beginning of the game, you start as him, and his, like, mech has kind of blown up. You don't play in the mech at the beginning. It just kind of, like, he's, like, just fallen out of it. He's kind of injured. Um, he's kind of in this, like, wintry, war-torn area, and he basically is just kind of fighting for survival. The game starts literally within about 10 seconds of me taking control of the character. <laughs> Whatever it is about you're about to say, I'm already laughing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, like literally 10 seconds of me taking control of the character. There's like the smallest flash of like, here's a tutorial of what the buttons do, but it does not pause the game to tell you this. Like the buttons are up and I'm like, okay, I could have used a better tutorial on this, but whatever. Left stick goes forward. That's pretty much all I need to know at this moment in time. Like 10 seconds in, there are people behind me off camera because it's a third person game who are like hey who's that guy immediately start shooting me and i'm like what the <laughs> fuck is going on oh so like i i like thought i mean i would i would say the most games i play if i had to put a percentage on it, i would say like 90 percent of the games i play in the starting area you are safe like you're not supposed to be being shot at as soon as you start the game <laughs> So, like, I spawn in, there's, like, a really cheesy cutscene where he's like, oh, oh, I'm injured, what am I supposed to do? And he's kind of, like, he's got kind of, like, a ride-in, like, whiny boy, like, soldier thing going on. I take control, the controls flash up, does not pause the game, I immediately start getting shot at. I don't even know how to do anything in the game, so I just, like, start going forward. I don't know how to run because I didn't see the run button on the screen, so I'm just, like briskly walking forward trying to like get out of this line of fire and i get into a i'm um, just like this alleyway and i guess the enemies were like behind a fence or something because they didn't chase me which is good but i'm starting out like 15 seconds into this game my health is down to like 20 percent already and i'm like great like this is a wonderful way to get me into this game and it's not even like a because some games do that where they like injure you at the beginning and then they give you a health kit like five minutes in and it lets you like rebuild yourself and it was just kind of like a you know aha gotcha moment this is not a gotcha moment this is a hey we're gonna give you god awful level design literally the second you spawn into the game and so this game is a third person kind very stealth based i was not prepared for this game to be as stealth based as it is it's kind of like an open world kind of like brownie gray very like um utilitarian russia looking mech 
sneak around in the streets kind of game. And you have like, you start with a pistol. I think I only had like 10 bullets at the start or something. Uh, like minutes into the game, you start picking up crafting materials and you get this like window that's like, oh, you have a broken bottle. Like you can use this to craft and here's the crafting menu and all the stuff. And I immediately kind of like rolled my eyes a little bit because I was like, oh God, they're like dumping all this crafting stuff on me like right here at the start. But, you know, I was like, whatever. It's like 2019, like every fucking game and their mom has crafting in it now. So whatever. So like I keep moving on and like there's like a cover system. You press X. I'm on PS4. You press X to take cover. Um, click in L3 to crouch. And so like, you know, everything's working like, okay. The sensitivity on the controller feels like a little bit off. Like it's just one of those things where like, you can't quite put your finger on it, but it just feels like the game has not been maybe like control wise as polished as it should be. But I'm like, okay, you know, whatever, I'll keep playing. And I get past a couple of enemies. I like shoot a couple guys. Um, I find painkillers and I'm like, oh, awesome painkillers. This will help. So I like take the painkillers and then like a window pops up and it's like, painkillers are not meant to heal you. They're a stopgap between first aid kits. So when you take a painkiller, it restores your health a certain amount, but the amount that it restores immediately begins decreasing down to what your health was before. And I'm like, <laughs> what is the point of even having this thing? So like, I'm like, my health is like back up to 80%, but it is quickly falling back down to 20%. And, but I mean, luckily I'm like out of a war zone. So like, I'm kind of just like sneaking around these back streets and my comms are out. I'm trying to figure out what to do. Um, I find my way into this like store, I guess. this kind of like run down like abandoned store. And finally my comms come back on and this lady in my like earpiece or whatever it's talking about like, oh, you know, we found a soldier, a commanding officer in the area. You need to go find him. There's a sewer you can get through or something like that. And so like I start making my way through the back alleys behind this, this store. Um, something that is perhaps one of the most annoying things that I've ever experienced in a video game is that whenever you get close to an enemy, and when I say close, I mean like not even that close. Like not like they're going to attack you immediately, but just like if they're kind of in the area the woman in your earpiece will like alert you to it. And she'll, I can't remember exactly what she says, but she says like, like danger enemy close by. And she says it like over and over and over again. It's not just a one-time thing. Like if you're in the presence of enemies, even if they don't detect you, like every five seconds, she says danger enemy nearby. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, stop, please. Like I wish there were a button to make her stop talking. Um, there's also a visual component on the screen, which kind of like lets you know where the enemy is, like on what area the enemy is around you, which is nice because I like that. It's not done very well because it's kind of like on the very outer edge border of the screen. I would prefer it to be more like a circle or a threat ring, like in Metal Gear Solid 4, where it's like in the center of the screen, but whatever. So you have like a visual and an audio cue. And then you... I got to, like, this sewer area, and I had found... The game has melee combat, which is bizarre. I found, like, a lead pipe, and I was like, what is this, Silent Hill 2? Like, I was very confused. And I I guess it gives you melee weapons because the bullets are very, um, like, few and far between in this game, which is kind of weird because it's a war game. And another weird thing is, like, I was picking up assault rifle rounds like crazy. I did not have an assault rifle to start out with, and every time I killed an enemy who had an assault rifle... They would die, and then the assault rifle would just disappear into thin air. And I'm like, what the of course fuck it did. Of course is going on here? Yes. And but like another weird thing is so like the game gives you like a lead pipe pretty like soon into the game. 
tells you how to equip it, you know, ready with L2, strike with R2. And I'm like, okay, this is perfectly fine. Like exactly how I, how I expect a game to work. And then of course, like in, in a good tutorial sense, it sets up an enemy with its back to you that like you can go and do like your stealth kill or whatever. And I'm like, okay, this game's doing some, you know, it started off on the wrong foot, but it's kind of getting itself back together. You go up to the enemy and, you know, again, maybe 90% of the time in these scenarios, I'm expecting the game to have like, maybe like a deus ex type like cutaway stealth kill or like a one button stealth attack that like knocks the enemy out or something. No, this game does not have that. You literally walk up behind the enemy, you ready the weapon and there's no like contextual attack for a stealth kill. You just have to start hitting the enemy with the pipe. And I mean, the good news here <laughs> is that you can do like a three hit combo. So you do like a left swipe, a right swipe, and then kind of like a forward swipe. And all you have to do is hit R2 a few times to do this. You don't really have to do anything else. And then once the enemy is down, you do like, not like an execute. It's like a down attack, but it's, I wouldn't call it like an execution. He just like, you press R2 again. And this is a contextual based attack. The down attacks are. So when the enemy's down, the little like, R2 button pops up and you press it and he like hits them one last time with the the pipe and then that sort of like knocks them out or kills them or whatever. I would have much preferred just a one hit takedown like most games have, but this, you know, this game, I don't know, it's very retro or something, kind of has its own thing going on. So I end up going down into, I like run out of this like uh, some alley later on with like, you know, gunfire behind me. I take a, a ladder down into these sewers that I'm supposed to go into. And this is probably like 20 minutes after I leave the store. And I've encountered like two groups of enemies. So far, I'm doing okay. Still have not found any first aid kits. So I want that to be clear. Still at 20% health. I get down into the sewer. And there's like the, the game, like I pick up, I can't remember what I picked up. I picked up something. And there's like a window that pops up. And it's the, the game is basically like, here's a brief tutorial on like how to set traps because like this game is stealthy. You're going to need to know how to set traps. It's a lot easier to like set traps and then lure enemies than it is to like fight them face on. Like the game didn't say that verbatim. That's basically what it said. And I was like, okay, like whatever this, this is fine. Like, let's try this. So I like go around this like sewer area and there's two enemies standing, talking to each other. And I craft a Molotov cocktail which felt like the right thing to do in the moment. I don't know if it was the right or wrong thing to do. And I like hold like the gadget button. So that way, and he like, you know, it's like a normal game. He like holds it back. There's a little like arc that shows there's like a, like an area of damage that shows like a splash damage marker. So I get both of the enemies. I position the thing so that both of the enemies are in the splash damage marker. I throw this Molotov cocktail and only one of the enemies gets injured by it, which is incredibly misleading to me. So one of the enemies is on fire and he's like screaming. The other enemy walks in the opposite direction that I threw it from, because apparently he didn't see where it, kind of, where it came from. And I like sneak up thinking that I'm gonna like lead pipe the other guy to death while, the, while soldier number one is standing there burning to death in the sewer. But I come around the corner and I like go to attack this guy with the lead pipe the guy who was on fire did not die. And then there's like five enemies in front of me on the other side of the tunnel. They kill me in like two seconds flat. And I was like, oh man, like, okay, this wasn't the best decision making on my part, but I was just like trying to do what the game told me to do. Was not expecting all those other enemies to be on the other side of the hallway. 
And so I go back, and the weird thing is that the everything about this game reminds me of Metal Gear Solid Four. It's literally like Square, except for it's not good. Let me just state that it's like <laughs> it's like the designers for at Square Enix were like, okay, we're gonna take almost every single thing that Metal Gear Solid did and try to emulate that, but like we're gonna give you ten percent of the budget to do it, and like. 50% of the time. That's what it feels like. Because even the game over screen, like, and the menu noises and the menus, they look so similar. And, like, the game over screen comes up and it has, like, a retry button or a quit button. And I, like, press the retry button and a window comes up and it's like, if you retry, you will lose all of your data since your last save. And I'm like, well, yeah, like, what other option do I have here, game? Like, what what do you expect me to do? Like, quit? Like, of course I know I'm going to lose all my freaking info before my last save like obviously so i restart it and then the game the last checkpoint in the game was the store that my comms came back in and i had played probably like 25 minutes of game oh, up until God. this point oh, yuck. a perfect a perfectly reasonable checkpoint would have been the ladder down to the sewers because i was in like a new area at that point in a different part of the city so something that I missed whenever I... Because I almost turned the game off right then and there. I was like, no, I don't think this is the right game for me. But I was like, you know what? Benefit of the doubt, I'll give it another try, whatever. So I, like, start making my way back to the sewer. And a window pops up that kind of tells me about the map in the game. And to, to, to the game's credit, it had popped up before. I just didn't read it thoroughly because I was like, yeah, it's a map. I don't give a fuck. It turns out there are, like, fixed save points on the map that you have to get to and save your game. There are checkpoints because I checkpointed... But I guess it's better if you, like, go to the fixed save points and actually save your game, which is, like, another thing that just makes me think that this game was secretly developed in, like, 2002 and just held on a shelf until 2019 when they decided to put it out. It's just a bizarre, like, choice of design here. And so I'm making my way back to the sewer, and about halfway there, some, like, enemy sees me... Kills me in, like, two bullets. By the way, this game has four difficulty levels. I chose the easiest because I was not going to fuck around with, like, standard or hard difficulty on this game. Somebody kills me in, like, two bullets. I die. And I said, you know what? I'm going to turn this game off. And I'm going to send it back to Gamefly tomorrow. <laughs> I'm never, like, never going to play this game. And it's just such a bizarre game. It's, like, it feels so much, like, kind of like a weird mix of, like, siphon filter and Metal Gear Solid 1 mechanics circa, like, the time those games came out, but just, like, held over until 2019 without, like, a lot of the quality of life improvements that we've gotten since then. It's just such a strange game, and it seems expansive, and, like, it seems like it has some okay design elements here, and it just makes me wonder. It's just one of those games that makes me wonder, like, how, how did this game happen in the first place? Like, who greenlit this? How many people were on the team? Did they make the game in, like, 35 days with a $600 budget? Like, it's just, like, seems like it was a so much wasted time, wasted money, wasted effort. Like, I feel really bad for everybody who worked on this game because I'm sure they're nice people. They probably have a lot more talent than this game shows off. It just seems like everything that was appropriated for this game development could have been, like, reappropriated for a different or better game or something i i just this game is such a mystery to me like i don't know why it exists it's not even like campy enough to be one of those games that's like so bad it's good it's just like not very good it's not very polished 
It's not very well designed. Like, it seems to have good ideas, but the execution is just totally subpar. And the game and the developers and the character artists, like, they all deserve better than this. And I feel bad for Front Mission fans who maybe saw this and they were like, oh, man, this is, like, the next big thing for us because, like, this is what they got. And I feel really sorry for them. And just to, like, cap the whole thing off after I played it last night... I went to Metacritic to see what the Metacritic score was for it. Brad, would you like to take a guess at what the Metacritic score is? Um, I have two guesses. I mean, my first guess is that there weren't even enough reviews to even give it a Metacritic score. <laughs> I will dispel that by saying that there are 39 reviews, as a matter of Holy fact. Holy shit, really? 39? <laughs> for the PlayStation wow. 4 version. Yeah, I know, Wow. Right? <laughs> well, that, is, that is unbelievable. Um, I don't know. Was it like in the 30s? It is in the 30s. <laughs> oh, is it really? <laughs> what, what, what was it? What was it? It is a 37. <clears throat> wow. That is really low for Metacritic because people generally score high in game reviews. And so for a game to score that low, that's pretty amazing. I mean, so a little bit of backstory on my side here. Everything you said sounds perfectly in line with what I know about that game. I actually played it last year at PAX. Um, oh. I got an invitation to play it. But it was not on the floor. It was behind the scenes. It was off-site. It was in a hotel room uh, suite. And they uh, wanted you to come check it out. And it was just really, like, no big deal. Like, there was no hype. There was no swag. I mean, it was just like, hey, we have this other game. Did you want to come check it out? Sure. Okay, well, it's in this hotel room. Just come check it out real quick. We'll just show it to you. And it's like, it was really weird. Like, it was really weird. We got definitely got the sense that they weren't behind it very much. Um, it looked very problematic at the time that I saw it. And, uh, yeah, I just didn't have a very good feeling about it. And to be honest, we didn't even get an offer to review it at Game Critics. I mean, maybe they saw our preview of it, which was not very favorable. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we're going to skip this. Uh, I mean, probably smart move on their part. Uh, but, yeah, like, it looked really just like a janky Metal Gear with, like, a lot of old school decisions and a lot of really problematic choices. And that was just my takeaway from back then. Hearing you talk about it, I'm like, yep, that seems like everything I was afraid of actually came true. So... I mean, honestly, I didn't even realize this game was even out, dude. I have heard nothing about it. No one's talking about it. Um, and, I mean, from what you said, probably good reason. So, Ooh, Yeah, I mean, like it came big... out on March 5th, so it's been out for about a month. But, I mean... Oh, I think, shit, really? Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, wow. like, it's been a month. And I think, like, what kills me the most about this is, like, this is Square Enix. This is, like, Square motherfucking Enix. Like, they... They are, like, a powerhouse publisher in the game's space. And, like, I know that not every publisher, you know, not every game is going to be a 10 out of 10 or whatever. But, like, we're not even talking about some, like, weird indie developer that has, like, six people who wanted to make a game that was like Metal Gear. Like, this is Square Enix. And they have, like, I would like to believe that they have the time and the money and the people to do something like this. But apparently they don't. And that's like, makes it even more disappointing to me. It just makes you wonder why, like, was this a contractual obligation? Like, was this like, why would you bother going to the work of doing all this if you're number one, not going to put enough resources in to make it a good game? And number two, not going to hype it. I mean, they clearly sent it out to die. I didn't even realize this game had even come out yet. So, I mean, like, what is even why did you throw away the resources on this? I think this I mean, it sounds like there's a good story behind this. Maybe not a game, but a good story behind this game. But I mean, who knows, man? This just sounds like a total wash. So, yeah. Well, I'm not like I had any hope for it, but uh, it's always it's always sad to see something like this happen, you know? Yeah, and that's kind of like why I said it earlier. Like, I, I have no doubt that the people that worked on this game are actually good people that have, like, great talent in the industry. It just seems like it's just a weird... 
just like maybe everything that could have went wrong did go wrong or something. Like, you know, I don't want to speculate and sound like an asshole, but like, I believe there are good people behind this project. And I'm sorry that this is the project that they got stuck on and that they probably maybe were too under budget or too under time to be able to really bring it to fruition in the way that they wanted to. But I mean, not every game can be 10 out of 10. Not every game can have, you know, $8 billion of budget and a six year development span. And sometimes this is what happens, unfortunately. Oh, well, I guess that's the way it goes. But uh, thanks for taking that bullet, man. I was considering, <laughs> you know, it, when I watched it, it looked like it maybe would be one of those janky but has some cool parts to it. But like you didn't describe anything cool when I was hearing you talk about it. So maybe it's just <laughs> janky. I'm going to probably give that a pass. But uh, anyway, all right. We have one more thing to talk about. And then we are perfectly on track today. I think we are going to end on a, a brief short show uh, today, which is perfect because I really need extra time today. But one more thing. To announce before uh, I turn it over to you to wrap it up. Last week, dear listeners, you may recall, we kind of did this kind of half-hearted, last-minute sort of announcement that we were going to be giving away free games to anybody that listens to the show. Yes, we are. Yes, we are going to do that. Um, apparently, only one person wrote in. Uh, Drew Rowland, you are the winner, sir, and I am going to hook you up. I'm going to send you <laughs> at least three separate games because I'm really grateful for you for writing in and and to be to be honest folks i know more than one person listens to the show i know we're not the biggest show out there <laughs> but i know that more than one person listens so listen you just missed your shot i was going to give away free games like candy and like i've got a million of them so drew roland thank you very much for writing in i am going to email you back i'm gonna hook you up with some games brother uh glad to have you as a fan um unfortunately we are a little bit short on time today I didn't have a lot of time to work on the structure of our weekly giveaway, but we're, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. You missed your chance last week. Uh, I will give away more games this week. All you have to do is write in. Write us an email and say you listen to the show. Say you want to win some free games. Uh, I think maybe starting next week, we'll start to announce exactly what games we have on hand. But trust me, I got a giant mountain of them. And if you write in, just say, hey, I heard the show. I want to win some free games. You'll be entered to win. And I mean, apparently your odds are going to be pretty good. We only had one person write in last time. And I know that there's more of you out there. I know for a fact there's more of you out there. So write in. If you want to win a game, we'll hook you up with something. And then we'll go into more structure, more detail, probably next week when we've got more time. But uh, anyway, congratulations to Drew. Drew, Drew. Ah, sorry, man. I'm like insulting <laughs> you by mispronouncing your name. Congratulations to Drew Roland, our winner. I will hook, hook, hook you. Oh, my Fuck me, Corey. Brad, oh, my God. Brad, I can't get it together. Get it together. I know. Together, Brad. Falling apart here. Oh, my God. I'm like, I am so, I'm, a wreck. I'm a wreck. Oh, my God. Give me a cup of coffee. Something, please. Anybody help me out. Please. Brad is so worked up about people not emailing the show to get free games. He's just I can't even talk right now. I'm just spitting. I'm spitting on my keyboard is all I'm doing here. OK, listen. Sorry for fucking that up. Drew Rowland is the winner, and if you want to win <laughs> games this week, please write in. We're going to keep doing this every week. We're going to just keep giving away more games. So write in. We'll have more information next week, but uh, there we go. Congratulations, Drew. I uh, look forward to an email soon. And now, Corey, I, put me out of my misery, man. Put a bullet in me. I'm done. Like, I got to get out of here. We are finished with this. Bring us home, sir. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so... Into the show. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. It was short, but we had some pretty hearty topics still, I think. So, um, but remember, if you want to uh, get in touch with us, whether it's for some free games or if it's for feedback on the show or if you want to talk to us about anything or, you know, whatever, as long as you're not being an asshole, anything you want to message us about, honestly, um, you can get in touch with us in a multitude of ways. The first way is so videogamespodcast at gmail.com. 
That is our show email, which I monitor on my phone. Uh, the next way is at GameCritics.com. Every show that we post on GameCritics has a comment section under it. Uh, you are free to leave a comment. It's worth noting that we moderate comments at GameCritics, so if you leave a comment that says, fuck you, um, we're not going to approve it. But if you say something nice like, hey, you guys are great, then we will approve it. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at SoVideoGames. Uh, we are at, that's our collective show title, at SoVideoGames on Twitter. Um, and believe it or not, we're also have our own personal social media accounts on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, Brad, would you like to give out your social media handles? Sure, sure. You can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. And actually, I just forgot to mention something else. Let me pause for one second. Um, we do have a giveaway going on at GameCritics.com for a physical version of Lone Wolf. Pretty cool game. I reviewed it at Game Critics. Um, you have to enter at Game Critics. It's not related to this podcast, but I figured I would mention that. Uh, not very many people have entered, so you've got really good odds of winning. So just heads up that there is a contest there. It'll still be up by the time you hear this show. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Corey. Excellent. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me on Twitter or Instagram, my handle is also, for both of them, my first and last name, it is Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Uh, Brad, do you have any final message before we sign off? No, that is it. I think I need to just rest for a while. I'm fine. I'm, I'm a shambles right now, sir. I've disgraced myself. <laughs> All right. I'm going to assign you two weeks of bed rest, and then we can come back and do the show. Maybe you'll be feeling a little bit better. Um, but until the next show, this has been episode 127 of the So Video Games podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, next week, we'll be back with episode 128. But until then, this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. We'll see you next time.